Really enjoyed uh, my interview with the guys from Whetstone over in Holland. They have a fascinating background and insights into what the next generation are looking for. So as an employer of a multi-generational workforce, we need to understand uh, what they're looking for, what they're motivated by for, what they expect, the sort of employer that's going to really engage them and, and work for them. Uh, enjoy. Right, uh, a very, very warm welcome to Lasica Curiel and Jacini Bissilink. Good morning to you in Holland. Good yes, morning. good morning from Rotterdam. <laughs> Rotterdam and Amsterdam, yeah. am I right? Yes, that's, that's correct. correct. Fantastic. Listen, really, really excited to have you, uh, have you on our podcast. And um, this is all about next generation. Can, can I ask you, you both work for Whetstone, uh, Whetstone and I have, a, I have a sort of definition of what Whetstone does, but it's probably going to be better coming from you. Are you <laughs> happy just to share what, what the, your organization does, and then we'll get into you, you two individually? Um, yes, we, we are a strategic foresight think tank, and uh, we advise companies and organizations through keynotes, uh, workshops, webinars, virtual presentations, on uh, future human behavior. Yeah. So, so that's, yeah, that's what we do in a nutshell. Yeah. And then our specialization is the next generation, or we also like to call it Generation Z from time to time. Okay. And, and I met uh, Thimon de Jong, who's, um, who heads up Whetstone, and he did a fantastic talk about um, where the world is going, about nurse leadership, and all sorts of ideas that just get you thinking a little bit differently. So uh, really happy to have, have you guys on. Um, would, you have, would you just, we're, we're going to talk about next, ge next generation, would you like to just share your background? Uh, and, and when you say you, you talk about next generation, what are you actually trying to do when you're talking? So let's start with Jacquini. <laughs> yes. So just a little bit about my background. Um, I'm now uh, 21 years old. That might be good to say because we're talking about our own generation. Yeah. Um, and um, my background, I, I um, used to work at the United Nations as a youth representative from the Netherlands. So uh, basically I've tried to form the 4,000 young people in my country about like all kinds of teams um, and I take their input to the United Nations in New York or Geneva where I give speeches and negotiate on resolutions um, and this is also where I kind of uh, developed a passion for um, my own generation and letting their voices be heard um, and subsequently I, uh, I got to work at Weston which I'm very uh, very happy about. Uh, fantastic, thank you. Uh, Lasika? So I, I started working at Weston four years ago. Um, oh yeah, and I'm born in 1998, so I'm one year older than Jacquini, I'm 22 years old. And when I started working at Weston, I was 17. Um, and I, I, I have a background in, uh, with the IMC Weekend School as an ambassador. So I worked as a teacher, I worked as a speaker uh, for this organization that offers additional education to children from disadvantaged neighborhoods. And that's how I met Timon de Jong, because Timon is a guest lecturer at that organization. Okay. Um, and he asked me to research my own generation with my 
own background um, because I've been speaking to many young people as well through my work for IMC Weekend School. And then I did a year of research. And after that year, um, me and Timon uh, created a keynote presentation, uh, which was launched in the UK. And then afterwards, um, we found that it was way more interesting for me to, to do it by myself because initially it was a duo presentation. And then um, we found that people were interested in a 17 year old uh, speaking about her own generation. Um, yeah. And from there on, I, I've been doing this work, giving lectures, giving keynotes, giving uh, workshops for uh, four years now. Yes. Wow. Absolutely fascinating. So I'm uh, uh, Plenty of insights into what's happening. And um, as, as you know, at the Recruitment Network, we've got a uh, global network of recruitment business owners. Uh, they're all entrepreneurs. They uh, are talent experts who are helping clients to make the right decisions and find the right talent. And, and, and part of that, obviously, is, is helping them understand the generation of people entering the workplace or in, in the workplace currently. So the reason I was really excited when um, you guys agreed to come in along and have a chat was not only as employers, but, uh, but as advisors to organizations. I think it's really important that they, they understand the generational differences and, and, the, uh, and the, the generation that, that, that you two represent. So um, I'm really interested to know what, how they, what they need to understand, how they can think differently, both as an employer and, and, and as an advisor. And when we were talking um, uh, uh, last week, um, you shared a couple of concepts that I'd like to get under the skin of a little bit, if that's okay. And you shared me, sh you've shared with me three concepts that um, uh, I'm re really interested in. So one is the, uh, um, you, you uh, position yourself as the entrepreneurial generation. Um, now, every generation before you is, is banging the table saying, we're the entrepreneurial generation. <laughs> so what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean when for your generation but, but by the entrepreneurial generation? <laughs> well, that's a really good question. Um, actually, before diving into the answer, I would like to um, touch upon something. It's kind of a disclaimer. Um, uh, I want to talk about just a general generational thinking because, yes, indeed, many previous generations um, think they are the entrepreneurial generation. Um, but I, I want to stress the importance of differentiating between different generations in that sense because, um, well, we're using the term Generation Z today, but the interesting thing is actually a lot of the people that are considered to be Gen Z don't necessarily identify with being Generation Z. And I think that comes from this, um, I think the natural feeling that each generation has that we don't want to be put in a box. And Generation Z also has this feeling. We don't want to be named after this um, generalized group of people, this demographic that is the same in, in, to a certain extent. Um, so that is a natural thing that our generation feels and it's quite a strong feeling. So we've spoken to a lot of young people around us and they actually don't necessarily identify with being Gen Z. Um, and yeah, it's quite logical because every human experience is different. But then again, I think it's really important to also still differentiate between different generations and we're talking about Gen Xers, Millennials, Generation Z, Baby Boomers, the silent generation and that is because there are 
after major events happening in our lives that um, that are happening in our formative years that shape our generation. And uh, I was just talking about how we are living uh, in one right now at this moment as we're speaking. COVID-19 is a major event for our generation because we are experiencing experiencing this in a complete different way than other generations. Um, and because it's in our formative years, this will mean that we are shaped by this and uh, this will also show in our future. Um, COVID-19 is just an example. Uh, there are also other examples that we will talk about later. Uh, so that's just the point that I wanted to make before we start speaking about um, the major or the main characteristics of Generation Z or how we like to call it the next generation. Fantastic, yes. Good. Okay. Now that, 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 that's really useful. So, so you call it the next generation I'm, and I make that, that makes sense to me because you're not sticking a label on it. Um, and you, you recognize that having a label is a sort of, I don't know who comes up with these labels. So it's a, it's a bit of a reality, but you, you, you tend to avoid them. Yes, yeah. we, we, prefer, we prefer to avoid them, but if we can use them uh, for, for the benefit of our generation, for example, for people okay, yeah. to understand us better, um, then we don't mind to use them. Brilliant, okay, good. No, happy that, and I, and I like the expression you use, shading of uh, generational shading. I think that, that makes a lot of sense to me. So let's go back to this entrepreneurial generation. Um, what, what, what's, what's your definition, definition representing your generation when you, when you say you're entrepreneurial? Well, I think this entrepreneurial mindset um, kind of manifests itself in, in different ways. Um, so, of course, you see the entrepreneurs um, going for financial profit. For But one thing that we also see happening a lot is really um, this, this social entrepreneurship that we see amongst a lot of young people. Um, and even, I mean, entrepreneurship is in a way also a mindset right away of, of doing things. Um, and one of the things that we see happening a lot is that uh, young people they see they like to take matters into um, their own hands and I think this is uh, this, this this can be seen in many um, different instances um, just to give an example um, in, in a way that I can see my generation becoming entrepreneurial um, there are many many studies that show um, how generation Z is really starting their own companies um, for example in the Dutch uh, Chamber of Commerce uh, Leska do you have the numbers by hand there was I like do yeah um, huh? there was a there was a increase of 70% of the amount of businesses registered by the 13 to 18 year olds. So 70% um, more wow. 13 to 18 year olds from 2018 until now have registered a business. Yeah, so that's quite... Uh, that quite is absolutely massive. Yeah, but it, it is. Yeah, it is. And um, I think so the interesting thing is to see this diversity within this entrepreneurial mindset. And just to give you an example, I still remember um, I, I started my first year of university um, two years ago. And um, 
at your first day of school, you always have this round of introduction, right? And if I had to believe the stereotypes, it would um, go a bit along the lines of, you know, someone saying, hi, my name is Tim. I like uh, video gaming and chilling with my friends. And of course, there were people who said that, I mean, we're still young people. We like to do those things as well. Yeah. But at the same time, um, there was one boy in my, um, in my class who bought eggs from a local farmer and sold them to um, his relatives and his friends for a higher price. There was this one girl who made her own jewelry and sold them on eBay. Um, there was another uh, boy who was in his local council. So you also see this, this entrepreneurial mindset um, um, within a lot of young people. And I found this really interesting to see as well uh, mm. during my first day of university back then. <laughs> And I think this entrepreneurial mindset doesn't necessarily only means that we want to start our own business. It could also mean that um, we just want to take the initiative to change something either within a business, within an already existing business where we work or um, have an internship. Um, so it's, it has, as Jacini said, it, it manifests in a lot of different ways. Uh, another example that I, I just came up with I, I worked at, um, when I was 16, I worked in a clothing store and I felt like I wanted to take more responsibility. So I made videos for my coworkers on how to um, take care of the jeans, how to fold your jeans and how to take care of your jeans because I wanted to do something else. And they gave me the freedom to, to just do this for myself because I wanted so. So nobody from top down gave me the assignment to do it. It was just something that I came up with and I wanted to do. So it's, I think it's important for businesses to understand that this generation is willing to take this freedom and this responsibility also within a company. So we're also intrapreneurial. Yeah, and, and, and that's really interesting because I, I come from uh, a hierarchical generation where it was way too top down when I started out in the world of work and, uh, and, and that idea of giving people freedom to, to make a difference, to change things, um, requires, requires a management approach that maybe isn't happening everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe also coming back to that, um, I think one of the things that we can also learn from those studies showing us that um, young people from the age from 13 to 18, you know, becoming so um, entrepreneurial, starting their, their side business, their side hustles. I think that really shows that uh, we as the next generation <laughs> um, are very open uh, for professional experience um, before finishing our, our uh, university degree or other type of degree. Um, and I think this is also something that um, um, recruiters can, uh, can really work with, for example. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I, like, the, I like the side hustle. Yeah. <laughs> the side hustle. Um, and it's something I recognize because sometimes I will have had conversations with our members who say, uh, I think they're doing other stuff around the place. And, it, and if that's your generation's normal uh, and actually, you know, you're right and what you expect and what you want to do, then uh, employers had better, had better sort of understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We're shifting away from this typical career path in a sense, yeah. and we're just um, defining our own career paths and feeling the freedom to do that ourselves. Absolutely, yeah. So, so, okay, that's interesting. So can, can employers 
would, would you say that makes you uh, less reliable as employees? That is an open question. I'm not, that's not my view. I don't think so. I think, um, well, it, it depends. What exactly do you mean with reliability? So I suppose what does reliability to mean to me? Reliability says you do what you're going to say you're going to do. Um, and reliability, uh, looking back a little bit further, would mean I can totally rely and depend on you. And the concept, yeah. and it also, there was also a sort of general expectation yeah. that I can rely on you to remain in my organization maybe a little bit uh, longer. Whereas yes. actually that, that willingness to evolve and enjoy professional experiences, which sounds great. Yeah. Um, maybe changes that a little bit. I think, I think the expectation uh, from the businesses should change because we are growing up in this, in this kind of gig economy and they're, um, well, coming back to COVID-19, we're living in such insecure and instable times and yeah. um, uh, nothing is a given. So for our generation, it is not... Um, <clears throat> it's not our normal to stay in a company for a very long time because a lot of people are getting laid off right now because of yeah. COVID-19 and we, we are seeing this, we are experiencing this. So we um, automatically have this mindset of nothing, um, uh, nothing is set in stone and we, we are not used to um, seeing or staying in a company for a very long time. So I think reliability um, should could be redefined. I don't think reliability doesn't necessarily means that we will stay within a company for, so to say, 20 years or something. But it could mean that we are, um, we are completely dedicated to your company for the five to 10 years that we will work there. But we also feel the freedom to move on from there on. And um, yeah. Yeah. So would you would you say that you um, um, your desire and willingness to explore different opportunities uh, and different experiences is just is just part of the, the next generation? Therefore, as employers, we just accept that and, and then work work with you to make sure that we both get out of the relationship what we want. Yes, and I think you can even benefit from this mindset as well. Um, to give an example, me and Giacchini are also still having our side hustles uh, while we're working for Weston. Um, yeah. So, uh, and that 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 is something that we have the freedom for. We we can do whatever um, whatever we well not whatever we feel like to do, but. If there's something else that we would like to do, we can also use that or learn yeah. from that experience and mm -hmm. that can contribute to our work within Weston as well. Yeah, and I think, Gordon, uh, maybe this might also be, be a challenge for recruiters in the way that I could imagine that um, a bachelor's degree can bring a certain amount or any type of degree can bring with it a certain amount of trust because it is, uh, you know, it is a set curriculum, you know, the, the yeah. skill set that someone might have. But um, um, maybe if you don't mind, Lesika, for example, I think you're the perfect example of um, how our generation, often you, you start studying next year, but you have had a lot of professional experience 
um, in, in, in the meantime, you have uh, gotten a lot of professional experience and um, the question then is how do you as a recruiter also, um, I guess, um, um, build on that or work with that because it's a different type of background that you start working with, right? Uh, totally. And, 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 you know, with both of you, when you just introduce yourselves with your experience, you know, at your, at, at, at your age, the experiences you've had and therefore the insights you've had and your, the, the people you've met, I mean, equips you with a phenomenal knowledge set, set and experience already that could add value to, to, uh, to any organization. So what, what, what would your, um, so in terms of employers of your generation, what could and should they be doing to make it an engaging and uh, appropriate place to work for your generation? What, what do they need to be getting right? Yeah, so maybe first of all, I think um, that it's important to um, really create the opportunity for young people, the next generation to have professional experience uh, besides their their education, um, which is not necessarily an internship, but also give them the space to, for example, work on projects within your organization, um, um, come up with new ideas, let them work on it. So I think that is one um, thing that you as an employer, as an organization can do. Yeah. Yes, and I think um, when there are young people working within your company as juniors, um, I think we should get rid of the hierarchy and and give juniors also the freedom to um, to start their own projects and their own initiatives because it's they're they're driven to uh, to start these and to take this responsibility as well so it may sound um, like a, a risk because I could understand if someone started working in your company for two years that you don't necessarily want to give that person a lot of responsibility. Um, but I think for our generation, uh, we, we might be used to it already. I've, I've, I've heard of some very um, successful organizations who've created a second board. So they've got the, uh, the board with the normal responsibilities and then they've created some, a board of the next generation. Yeah, yeah. the shadow board. Sorry? The shadow board. The shadow board, which there's gives a, a, a different view of the world. Yeah, there's a wonderful example uh, from Gucci. Actually, Giacchini uh, talks a lot yeah. about this example. We mentioned this a lot because this is, in my opinion, a good example of meaningful youth participation. I mean, there are very, a lot of forms of tokenism, <laughs> um, which I, and I think Liska as well, have experienced, you know, having a young person somewhere uh, who doesn't really actually have something to say, but still, you know, they, they market it as youth participation, but with this youth, advisory board to actually give young people um, a part in the decision-making process and I, I think that this is a crucial aspect of that participation becoming meaningful um, and and for example with Gucci you also see that it has worked their sales have spiked after um, um, after setting up this uh, this youth shadow board because there is this whole new demographic of of uh, of potential clients, <laughs> you, you may say, yeah. uh, that they, they are experts 
um, in you know what goes on in in their own generation, young people. So uh, it can be very beneficial to have them part of the decision decision making process as well for those people um, in in the boards. And I think it's interesting because quite often um, uh, these shadow boards um, exist for for marketing, but I also I think also for HR and for example learning and development, this could be really interesting to have, and not only for marketing purposes. Yeah, definitely, definitely. No, no, that's absolutely spot on. Um, the, my final question on the um, entrepreneurial generation, and you've convinced me by the way. Um, is this concept of, of the side hustle, which suggests to me that actually if we want to recognize people want to explore and experiment different professional experiences, then we should encourage that and give them the space. And so the flexibility of the working, um, of the way that people work and the environment that we create uh, is really important actually, if you want to be a, an employer that embraces the next generation. Yeah, definitely. I think maybe we'll also come back to this um, when we talk about, um, you know, the, the digital digitalization and industrial <laughs> for the industrial revolution that we kind of grow up in. Um, yeah. I think our, our generation is really defined by the fact that, you know, space and pace and, and all those things are very fluid and very dynamic. Um, so I think uh, as an employer, it's also important to, if you want to attract and retain Generation Z, the next generation, it's really, really crucial to um, go along with that flexibility. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's move on to the a word I've never said in my life before. <laughs> I've just got to read it three times so I can make sure I get it right. The digital generation. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Digital generation. Uh, over to you on that one. Yeah, the digital generation is is a concept um, that explains how this generation Z is growing up in a world where um, there are blurred lines between the physical and the digital world. And that's why it's digital. And um, it's kind of explained by looking at this generation and seeing that it's a second nature for us that, uh, to kind of alternate between um, the physical world and the digital world. So that that's kind of also what divides us from the previous generations. If you think of, um, well, me and Jackini are kind of old when it comes to generations that we are, um, we are part of the older uh, cohort of this generation. We're kind of in that gray area between millennials and generation Z because we okay. were both born in the late uh, 2000s. Um, but millennials and these older people of generation Z, we still remember our computers um, starting up with this black screen, this window screen um, with a loading <laughs> sign. Like, it, it, I can hear it in my mind. Already. Yeah, you can, and, and you just sit there and wait until you can get online and talk to your friends or play a game. But we, we remember that moment of waiting um, in order to, to go online. But our generation or the younger um, people of Generation Z, they don't know such thing. They, they just go online right away. It's so easy to go online and it's even uh, more difficult to go offline than it is to go online. 
and I think that is the main difference between um, this new next generation and older generations that we are a generation that is easily alternating between the online and the offline work world because for everyone that is living in these times it's difficult and we are all dealing with the same thing but the younger people that are growing up in this world they don't know any other way of of uh, they don't have any other normal this is their normal i'm not sure uh, gordon if you know the russell howard show have you heard of it i know russell howard yeah oh yeah he has this really interesting segment in which he interviews um, young children about the age of 10, I think. Um, and one time he asked them the question, what do you think life was like before the internet? And I would highly recommend everyone watching that video, but the answers that came out of it were really funny. There were people saying uh, that, they, that people did country dancing, maybe stare at clocks, burn down parliaments, <laughs> burn, throw paper towels in the air. And I mean, it's really funny, right? But yeah. it is setting in the way that um, for, for our generation, we don't know a world where there is no uh, internet or there, where there is no... Um, yeah, no internet, basically. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I definitely see that. And I quite, that, that, that concept of the blurred line is a really interesting one for me. So, so would you say that the next, the next generation, uh, and the ones yourselves and the ones that are even, even younger, are they uncomfortable without digital activity happening? Well, I think to a certain extent, well, to a very large extent, uh, they are uncomfortable. <laughs> come, on, come on. Yes. <laughs> um, and that's what, we're, um, what I said. Me and Jackini are, are in the gray area between millennials and Generation Z. Um, but when I look at my, I have a lot of uh, nephews and nieces. Um, they don't know how to navigate in a completely offline world. For example, um, I was at the train station a few months ago and there was this girl, I think she was about 15 years old and her phone, uh, her phone died, her battery died. And she started crying because she didn't know how to go home. She didn't know how to um, get to the place where she was supposed to go at that moment because she needed her phone for that. And of course she's being 15 is quite young uh, still. So I, I understand if you're not able, if people are not yeah. able to reach you through your phone, that you are worried. But it was also so interesting how she just didn't know what she could do. Um, she also didn't, didn't talk to anybody. I approached her because I saw her crying. So I asked her, okay, so the first step, where do you have to go? Then we can look at our screen, at the screen. And I, I really, I could have also used my own phone, but I really wanted to teach her how to get to the place where she needed to go without her phone. Yeah, that was a really interesting experience for me. And so, so if we take this into the work, workplace then, so yeah. what, are the, what are the implications for employers who maybe are not from that generation? Well, I think the, the lines, I think for a certain extent, this goes for all the generations, but especially because we, as the next generation, grow up so much, almost almost raised by <laughs> technology in a sense. Um, yeah. it, is, it, it can become really difficult to disconnect um, and and. And, you know, there becomes a very blurred line between work and leisure. Um, and, and interestingly enough, um, 
maybe you know about this, the El Comri law. I probably butchered that name. It's, um, it's a French law um, and it basically pushes for uh, the right, like a legal right to disconnect. So um, what it says is it enables you um, as an employer or employee, sorry, to um, not answer your emails after six o'clock, for example, yeah, yeah. and your employer is not able to, um, to, to, to punish you or <laughs> anything yeah. like that. And even um, um, in 2008, there was a, a, a British pest control company and they had an employer in France and he was, or he was ordered to be uh, available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the company had to pay him a fine of 60,000 euro. Um, so this is a bit of an extreme example. And you also yeah. see some companies, you know, pushing for, um, I know a company in Germany and all the emails sent after six o'clock, they stop them and they only get sent at 8.30 in the morning. I mean, this is a debatable policy and maybe not everyone wants this, um, but I do think it's interesting food for thought to think about, you know, these types of measures to uh, create a healthy work-life balance, uh, because this is one of the issues that we noticed amongst people of our generation um, as one of the challenges or issues when it comes to, to um, the workspace and being able to uh, disconnect. But can I, can I, Put a question to you. If, if during the workplace there is a, we have our side hustles, for example, yeah. then maybe it's a different type of focus uh, during the normal working day, if that's the sort of environment yeah. you're working with. So is that, why is there not a little bit more give and take about the outside the, uh, outside the normal working hours? Because we, there's a bit of give and take within it. Mm -hmm. so, Surely there should be some give and take outside it. Do you mean that um, because we are always also working at our side hustles, um, it's, it's, it, we can also be a bit flexible when it comes to our uh, like nine to five jobs? Yeah, just, I'm, just in, I'm just sort of interested in, in, in if, if we're doing side hustles or we're getting other digital distractions during the day. Mm -hmm. Is it reasonable or is that too simple just to say, well, maybe they should be a little bit blurred outside, you know, at the, at the weekends or outside? Yeah, the yeah and I yeah. think also, I don't know, Leska, what you think about this, but I also think that there are a lot of people who also find this beneficial that they have the freedom to, for example, mm -hmm. work at nighttime or work in the daytime or work yeah. in the weekends and be free at the daytime. So it's not all, uh, all, all bad. I mean, there are a lot of um, positive sides to it. Um, it's only that it is important to kind of find a healthy way to, yeah, um, agree. to, to, to yeah. work with that. Yeah, I, I think it should definitely be balanced um, because indeed there are some benefits of being flexible to work whenever you feel like working or whenever, for example, if you're doing, um, if you're having a creative job, inspiration doesn't come at any point of the day. It could also come um, on, on a Sunday. So mm -hmm. I think there should, that, that, that fluidity should also be um, within the workday and within how we deal with the workday. For example, in our office, it used to be um, very normal. Timon, for example, he sometimes goes swimming in the middle of the day and then he comes back and we, we yeah. continue our work. Um, so that fluidity 
definitely should be in many places. And I think it's also uh, another important story um, is about, uh, maybe Timon has already talked about this because um, it's one of his stories. A friend of his has a, has a business and uh, he was looking for an intern. And at some point during that internship, she um, was doing something completely different than what he asked her to do. Um, but she was doing something for a friend of hers that was helping her with uh, the assignment that she had for her internship. So they were kind of exchanging their assignments because he was fluent in Spanish and it was something that needed to be done in Spanish. And for her, it was just completely normal to ask one of her friends or someone in her network to help her with that and do that for her and do something in return for him while she was actually working for the the company that she was working at uh, at that point. Um, but the friend of Timon, he couldn't really understand how that worked because he was not used to someone working at something that was not his, um, that was not the the assignment that he gave her yeah. uh, so in that sense i think there's this shift that this new generation is bringing into businesses that is fluid and that is um that should be there should be a lot of flexibility from the older generations so to say um for this generation to kind of contribute in their own ways the word the word you know it's really interesting me to and the, as a representative of the older generation i will uh, uh <laughs> I'm, I'm very comfortable and i just i wrote down two words one fluidity that you keep mentioning about but also the mobi mobility because everything is you know i can do anything on this yes. now so i've got fluidity and mobility and i was as you were as you were speaking i was thinking well actually one thing has never changed and you know i'm lucky we've got an amazing team that work for the recruitment network and the one thing I have, I have utter, utter trust. So I, ultimately, and that doesn't matter if I was a manager 20 years ago, if I ultimately trust somebody in my team, I don't really care how fluid or mobile they are. They can do it. If I trust them, I know they'll deliver. Mm. Why not? And I'd be stupid not to. Yes, yes, yes. I, I totally agree with you. I think trust is a very important thing. And also empathy. I think trust and Empathy are two important virtues that um, leaders should have when working with this generation because we are growing up in completely different times and a lot of miscommunication, we could be subject to a lot of miscommunication if we don't um, actively try to put ourselves into someone else's shoes and look at things from their perspective. And that's why an intergenerational conversation and meaningful youth participation is really important. I think we should all listen to each other in order to make this intergenerational workplace work. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. No, that's absolutely fascinating. Okay, can we, can we go on to our third, um, this one I can say, I'm good with this word. If we, the third um, uh, adjective you've attached to gen your generation is the aware generation. Yes. Um, tell us what you mean by that. Yeah, I think maybe also as a disclaimer before people will say our generation was aware as well. <laughs> we I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't do it on the, on the digital one, but the other yeah. two. <laughs> yeah, no, but um, we completely understand because we, what we are, we're not trying to say that our generation is necessarily more aware than the previous generation because you had all these movements, you know, the, the civil rights movement, for example, 
in the Netherlands, there were a lot of protests uh, against nuclear energy, for example. Um, but the difference uh, with our generation is that it manifests itself in, 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 in different ways as well. So I think, first of all, uh, one of the things that we see is that um, this awareness manifests itself in a very large scale. So what used to be, be a regional or, or um, national movements or protest movements can now grow to be international, just global movements like we see, for example, with the, the Youth for Climate strikes or with the, the Black Lives Matter movement we see right now. So you really see this expansion into uh, global movements. Um, and second of all, we also have new kind of, yeah, tools and, and media in which we can express ourselves. So um, some of you might be familiar with um, TikTok, um, this is an, which is an app used by uh, our generation a lot. It's basically where you post videos. Um, we are on Instagram a lot and people are really getting creative um, um, by really letting their voice be heard. Um, mm -hmm on those platforms as well. So uh, I think this is also a different form of, of protesting and a different form of letting your voice be heard that we see right now with um, the next generation. Yeah, and I think a, um, a really good quote that Giacchini sometimes mentions is, um, we're not a nation, we're a generation. And um, that touches upon the fact that indeed it's a global movement and sometimes even um, it feels as if this movement is a nation in itself, a nation of young people. And mm -hmm. these young people uh, have been emancipating the past few, few years because we are uh, infiltrating in a lot of spaces of um, decision-making processes in which we have a voice and our voices are heard. Not mm -hmm. enough, not as much as me and Giacchini would like to, um, but we do have a lot more... Uh, people listening to our generation right now. And for example, um, State of Youth is an organization, is a youth platform that currently unites young people from all over the world. Um, and they're doing, uh, what is that called again? Jackie? Preferendum. Pref preferendum, yeah. They're doing a preferendum or many preferenda um, on different topics to, to know what uh, our generation thinks about certain social issues. So we really have a say in these kinds of issues. And it might be good to say that a preferendum is kind of like a referendum, <laughs> but a bit differently. So they go on Instagram and you have this um, function to let people vote for what they believe is right. So they have all types of questions about uh, climate change. And then on Instagram, uh, young people from all over the world can say what they think about it. And then they'll take that input um, the UN for example. Okay and, and can I ask you a question then? Do, do, is the, um, is the, gen, is, do the, gen, do the next generation, are they more community than millennials? Oh that's a good question. Um, I think in a way um, we are more of a global community uh, in the sense that um, I can have a, a, um, a better connection with a girl from Poland, for example, than yeah. I have with some, a neighbor of mine who is 50 years old and lives next door, <laughs> just because um, 
you can connect on on so much levels through social media when it comes yeah. to political views but also simply things like humor for example these are all factors um, um in which you can relate with other people from all of young people from all over the world um which are very connecting Takini, can i just uh, uh 50 year olds have a sense of humor too just yeah yeah of course yeah. <laughs> don't, don't yeah. discount your neighbor no, no i was meaning to say maybe different type of humor but uh no it's yeah. interesting how humor humor um might be seen as something cultural like typically british humor um but currently we're living in times where we have online humor and yeah. uh for example memes are contributing to this new global way of well maybe you've heard of the okay boomer jokes um no nope you have not okay well, no just kidding <laughs> well okay boomer is is a meme and a yeah. meme is um uh well what exactly a meme is is a joke, an online joke that is um, repeated and added to by different people online. Okay, and no, people I, just, do, I know it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people take the joke and make yeah. it their own or use it in their own way. And then it, it has this, it, it becomes this, this connection or, of, of jokes that people all use. Um, and the OK Boomer joke is, is something that Generation Z started with. Um, because a lot of boomer don't, boomers, the baby boomer generation, they don't understand what is going on in the world of Generation Z. Yeah. And that's where OK Boomer comes in, because Generation Z responds to these people with OK Boomer, you do you. It's, it's some kind of um, period. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> ends, it ends the boomer sentence. It ends the discussion. And I think it's also part of the cancel culture that is currently um, going on especially within this generation as well. I think it's okay. Boomer is canceling the boomer generation because they're different values and they're different ways of looking at the world. What, do you, what is a cancel culture? Good question. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. Do you have uh, a good definition, Dakini? <laughs> well, um, let me try. <laughs> cancel culture is basically when someone, um, or even an organization or a company does something that is immoral or in principle um, and they kind of get boycotted um, by through social media um, okay. and this can have a pretty big impact on on organizations and, and people as well because just to give you an example um, there was this um, um, it's not really an advertisement it was um, on the H&M website, the, the clothing brand H&M, they had a sweater that they sold and there was a boy wearing the sweater, an African-American boy, and the sweater said the coolest monkey in the jungle. Um, and so there was racially insensitive and there were a lot of people going on Twitter, going on Instagram, basically canceling H&M um, yeah. as a brand. But the there are a lot of dangers i think personally to this cancel culture but the interesting thing is that where young people in conventional power structures usually have limited um influence because yeah. of course you need to be 18 to be eligible to vote but also uh when you're eligible to vote you we as young people usually don't have like the, the money to lobby we don't have yeah. uh, a lot of networks build up so in conventional power structures are influence is limited but through social media through cancel culture for example you really see that uh, young people can really um, 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 
cause for H&M to, to apologize, for them to have an explanation, to uh, be accountable for the action, to explain where they will go <laughs> to yeah. prevent this from happening again. So this is really interesting to see the influence of young people um, um, through social media. So, so, so yeah, so the, so the, that, that's, so their influence of your generation, if they decide to uh, voice, voice themselves digitally through the various channels can be high impact on organizations in a way that never could have been before. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it definitely. I, yeah. Yeah. I was going to just one other theory that I, I, um, the, the concept of purpose. So if I, uh, you know, if in the last four years, I think about some of the unbelievable leadership speakers that we've had along, uh, many of them have touched on the concept of purpose. Uh, you know, we know Simon Sinek, start with a why. This kind of, kind of thing, why are you doing what you're doing as an organization? And if you, if you create a wrapper of purpose and, uh, and brand values, then actually that's, that's how you create something special. Now, purpose, um, I heard something that uh, next generation are less interested in uh, the concept of purpose than the reality of actions and activities that actually bring that purpose to life. W would you say that's a, that's a reality? As in, I'm not interested in the words, just show me what you're doing. Yes, that, that is definitely a reality. I think um, meaningful action is crucial for this generation and um, it should permeate into the entire stakeholder system of a business. Um, you cannot uh, say the one thing in your marketing, be for example, um, using uh, LGBTQIA plus flag as your marketing material and then not taking into consideration um, uh, certain diversity into your board or your management teams. Uh, there yeah. are a lot of boards that are still way too homogeneous. Um, and for, for recruiters, I also think it's important that this generation has um, certain requirements for, for diversity, for example, but also um, if we're talking about sustainability, this is a very important thing. And this should be translating into the entire company and not only into the marketing uh, department. Yeah. And I think this is something that also, um, I mean, we as a generation, we're also trying to, you know, move beyond the clicks and the likes and the shares, and we're trying to go on the streets and make meaningful action. Um, and I think that they are very aware of um, what I like to call performative activism. So, um, you know, just posting a, a black square in solidarity for the Black Lives Matter movement and then not yeah. doing anything further as, at all. Um, I think a lot of young people are also aware of this. Um, I think a great example, um, I don't have anything against H&M, by the way. <laughs> I will use an example. They have a, a conscious... story, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, have a, they have a clothing line called Conscious. Uh, it is supposed to be sustainable, but um, the prices of a, a T-shirt, for example, can go as low to, I think, 13 euros or 13 dollars. Um, and so you have a lot of people, you know, already saying like you, you market this as something that's sustainable. But if you look at all the steps of people who need to be paid, there are some people who will get 
really, really low wages. Um, so it might be sustainable in the sense that the, the fabrics that you use are eco-friendly, but is yeah. it all sustainable when it comes to, to the labor circumstances, human rights violations, all that kind of stuff. So you really see that young people are being very, very critical um, of companies and organizations. Um, yeah. That, you're, yeah. You're, you're far more vocal. Yes, and another another example, uh, not an H and M example, um, <laughs> that really shows how we are vocal. Uh, there, there are some Instagram accounts, um, Diet Prada. I don't know how to pronounce it. Deep Prada. Um, they uh, they recently during the Black Lives Matter protests and the movement, they um, posted about Reformation, which is also a, they claim to be a sustainable brand. Um, and they have posted a black square during uh, Blackout Tuesday to show their support for the Black Lives Matter movement and the black community in the United States. Um, however, a few days later, um, a former employee of them came out with a story about how she um, used to work in one of their stores um, as, a, as a sales assistant. Yeah. Um, and she was doing work that actually was the responsibility of the assistant manager however um there wasn't an assistant manager and she she was already doing all of the jobs that were um that that the assistant manager had to do um but they didn't want to make her the assistant manager and she believed that that was because of her skin color and there there were also many other stories that said that um the people in marketing have said that they were not ready for um people of color for their marketing for their as as models so this instagram account has published these stories and a lot of young people have read them and now they're boycotting reformation because of these stories although they were thinking that they were doing something um, to support the Black Lives Matter movement. It was kind of detrimental for their image in the end. And just to show the scale of it, this uh, Instagram profile has over 2 million followers. So there's a lot of young people who are interested also to see meaningful action and uh, are very engaged with it as well. Yeah. 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 And that, co that combination of being more vocal, wanting to see more action and the channels that you naturally communicate through. Yeah, and people feel more confident to expose these kind of businesses um, because where did that come so from? Where, where, does that, where does that confidence come from? I think because of the platforms. Um, and for example, as Giacchini said, to the, the millions of followers that are supporting this. Yeah. Um, Absolutely, fa yeah. No, really fasc fascinating. Do you know the... Um, I'm very conscious of time, so I'm going to draw it close. But do you know the um, the words that uh, jumped out to me? Uh, the, the one word is is the word the word empathy. That sort of understanding, and actually, even though I get in a lot of uh, debates with business leaders about uh, how to create an engaged workforce, an organisation that can attract the very best talents, an organisation that can attract diverse talents. Um, it, it almost goes back to what we were talking about, the, sh the shadow board, that if, and I know you two are in some ways with your experience, you've had so much experience and exposure to talking about next generation and where it's at, what it's about, um, what people need, need potentially to think about. So you're maybe more na naturally uh, vocal about how it could affect employers. Um, it is, it almost felt, feels like a bit of a shadow board conversation in, in the sense that I could speak to fellow business leaders who are 
maybe of a similar age, a similar generation to me or, or, or the generation below, there's a couple of them. Um, and still I wouldn't get the sort of insights you've been giving today. So I think it's been absolutely fascinating. I've written down a shed loads of notes. What was, what was performative action, by the way? Uh, no, performative activism. Activism. Um, yeah, because action, performative action, I think, is a positive thing. But performative <laughs> activism, yeah, it's really confusing. But performative mm -hmm. activism is um, very shallow. So just posting a, a nice graphic and not translating. Yeah. No, that's what I, yeah, that's what I thought it was. So you're, 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 you're making a bit of noise, but not doing anything meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, um, Goran, can I ask you one thing? Because I know that we are here to talk about our generation, but um, personally, I also I believe that this is, you know, to have meaningful youth participation, it has to be like an intergenerational dialogue. So um, just for my personal interest, what do you need from young people as a recruiter? I'm very interested to, to enable that participation. I think it goes it goes back to exactly the same thing. It's a two way dialogue, which is all which all is going to create the empathy and understanding. Because I I I don't believe even though people understand some of the nuances between I'm going to put a label on it millennials and, and Gen Z, mm -hmm. even the way that you've described it in in a very very articulate a very clear way, just helps me understand the next the next generation as you call it, and and equally I want you know. For the younger generation to to seek seek to to understand as well, uh, before necessarily saying understand us, it is you know it goes back to Covey's seven habits: seek first to understand. So, you know, I just want you to reach out to your fifty-year-old neighbour that you were talking about before, and <laughs> let him or her uh, share their humour a little bit. I, I think it's the same thing. You know, we are we are we are creatures of our habits. We have our view. We have our perspective, yeah. and and. You know, you, you two have got such amazing experience in, in terms of creating dialogue and getting involved in dialogue that um, it's just, I found, I, found this, I found this hour absolutely inspirational. And, and I really want to say thank you to you both for coming on. And I'd love to do this again. You're welcome. Yes, we would love to do this again as well. I think it's a really, really interesting space, particularly in an industry such as recruitment that actually can influence an awful lot of people, both candidates coming into the workplace, but equally employers who are trying to do the right thing. And they, yeah. they, do, they yeah. do want to do the right thing. So it starts with the understanding. So, and well, the developments are going so rapidly uh, these days because there's, there's even another generation coming up, Generation Alpha, um, who is coming after Generation Z. So maybe for the next conversation, we could dive into what's coming afterwards. And, yeah. We will we'll do what's coming next. Yeah. Now, now we've got our minds around you guys. Um, but uh, no, can I can I say a massive thank you on behalf of everyone who's listening to this and who does listen to this because uh, and I definitely, definitely, definitely uh, would love to carry this on and talk about authors or whoever else. I, I agree with Giacchini. We are definitely interested in continuing this conversation. So we are also curious about what uh, your listeners uh, might think of this and what your listeners' question would uh, answer would be to Giacchini's question. So is there a comment section where we could continue the conversation? I'll, t I'll tell you what might be a great idea is to, if I pull together some business leaders from recruitment and mm -hmm. just continue this dialogue and, and they will share some of their observations, some of their perceptions, possibly some of their frustrations. Uh, and I think it could be a really, really cool debate to, to build our un understanding of, 
of possibly things that we could all do a little bit differently. I would love to do that. I would love that as well. That would be amazing. Yes, okay. wonderful. Leave that with me. I'm going to sort it. Um, in the meantime, thank you both very, very much. It's been absolutely uh, very special. And um, we'll see you again soon. Thank you, oh, darling. Thank you. Thank you. Right, Will, that's a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, video, can the video go on? Yes. Yes. I absolutely yes. love that. Yay! <laughs> I, I, I've got notes everywhere. I just. <laughs> we can take, maybe we can take a screenshot, a picture. Of, oh, yeah. Of, uh... Yeah. Hang on, hang on. I want one too. Um, <laughs> we got it. Love it. I also Wonderful. Love... Yeah, that was, uh, loved it. Sorry, I've just taken it, I've put on a bigger, bigger screen now, which is great. Um, wow, and I enjoyed that. Was that okay for you? Yeah, it was really yes, nice. yes, it was, it was really nice. It was our first podcast, it was our first podcast together, and mm -hmm. it was wonderful. Yeah, no, it worked well, it, it worked yeah. well. Yeah, and I also really liked your input at the end, what you said about um, seeking first and yeah. empty. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, that Stephen Covey thing, seek first to understand and then be understood, and it's yeah. just uh. It, it always made sense to me, but actually, when I, uh, we, we have, we, you know, our, our community is business leaders talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And when we, when we were talking about shadow boards, I was thinking, you know, if, if, we, if we had people who could express and articulate the way that you two can, who's talking to these people to help them understand uh, what this, this generation is about, mm -hmm. just the yes. way the generation is that's affected by the experiences that you've had. Yeah. Then, that can help them think a little bit differently and, and yeah definitely if they, if they can understand they'll share the challenges of of um you know working of running a business and what you're trying to make happen how you're trying to bring people yeah. together trying to get activities and productivity and um do you feel in your experience that um like the people that you are working with and all the business leaders that you're talking with do you have the idea that they have a sense of um that they feel the importance to involve youth do they that they yeah do they feel that, need? that it's a priority yeah yeah i i think um that they all know i mean you know i know we've got a um a recession at the moment so there's a lot of talent out there. It's easier today to find talent than it was six months ago. But ultimately, any organization, it's always a war for talent. So what is it I can do to make my place of work as, as attractive as engaging to the best talent out there? Well, the fact is that your generation is coming into the workplace more and more, and therefore I need to adapt what I do and what I say. And, and there's no doubt people make decisions for different reasons either because it fits in with their ethics and their morals and their beliefs. But it might also be because fundamentally, if I want to make a lot of money out there as a big organization, then I need to have the best talent, have the best results to connect with the best consumers who will spend money with them. And it, and it really does, doesn't matter. I'm not here to judge that. But if you're going to be an amazing employer, I want to have people. And if that means they will require greater flexibility to do their side hustles and that blurred line and, and actually... I really want to attract them then I need to do more rather than just talk about it then that almost works for everybody mm. um, 
and otherwise they will they'll lose their they'll lose their place because they won't bring in the best talent. So yeah. um, so it, it is, um, and I don't I don't know um, you know I, I read a lot and I keep an eye on a lot of sort of cool organisations. I don't um, and I don't hang out with a lot of big big corporations, but you know I I, I was running a leadership facilitation gathering for a Gallup top 40 business. So one of the best 40 businesses in the world to work for. And do I, if I, if I had you two in front of that audience, I think there'd be a lot of note taking too. Mm-hmm. you know, just thinking, okay, oh, we're maybe not quite there yet. Yeah. I'm actually curious, is there a, a company or, or a business that you're working with that you find inspiring um, with this subject? uh with this subject well maybe i would before this call i might have said yeah there's some good organizations i think they're, i think they're, i think they're playing at it i think they're playing at it um but you know i i really like the idea of doing a little bit of a uh i don't know a round table and just get some people along and just say guys this is uh yes this is what it's about now yeah uh, I think that'd be that'd be really cool. What can I do for you guys? What can I do to? If you will, you send me a, a photo so I can do yeah. some make some noise. Yeah, yeah. I would I would really be interested in uh, talking to to people um, and also asking them questions. As Jackini said, it's a it's really a dialogue, an intergenerational dialogue. And um, yeah, we talk to young people, but we also want to know how how. Um, business leaders are currently experiencing it and people within recruitment are experiencing it um, mm. because they might have a complete different experience from their side than, than we have from our side. So I yeah. would be interested in that. And I also think Jackini has just launched her own business, Jackini Consultancy. Yeah. She also gives- um, Is that a side hustle? Is that a side, side hustle? hustle. That's side her hustle. side hustle. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know, you have a big network so you could plug her business. Yeah. <laughs> What's your business? Yeah, I basically do. I do. Um, uh, I consult on meaningful youth participation. So I do this um, in in different spaces, like um, for example, ministries in the government or municipalities, sometimes cultural institutions, um, to basically advise them on how they can meaningfully um, involve young people. Sometimes it can be in, in, in the policy that they are drafting, but also um, in the workspace um, itself. So uh, that is what I do with my, uh, with wow. my own company, but it's usually more in the long term. So uh, yeah. yeah, longer than just a keynote or one workshop, but uh, I also do that from time to time. Yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely, and I and I think you know again if I'll um let me, I'll have a think about where I can promote you because um, some of our some of our members, uh, for example, work out in the um, HR space, so they have some pretty good H- HR people. Um, I've got a friend who's a she runs the Global Marketing Society, so all the best marketeers in the world, and I think there's there's a really interesting conversation and dialogue to to have yeah for sure so uh yeah i'm really i'm really glad this happened i'm gonna uh i'm i'm not gonna let you go now (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for having us truly truly. yeah thank you very much really enjoyed it i've uh, i've learned a lot so Um, when will it be published the the podcast so the podcast i need to speak to my emma who's uh who schedules everything and uh and then I'll I'll let Will know who's who will edit it, and 
And as soon as we know, I'll let you know. Perfect. Yeah. We're looking forward. Yeah, no, brilliant. Well, listen, we'll, we'll see you both sooner. Um, the other side of the summer, are you, go, are you going away? Are you all staycation? Staying up? Staycation. <laughs> I love that term. <laughs> yeah. No, good. All right. Well, listen, um, thank you. I really appreciate yes. it. Let's and stay we'll, in touch. Yeah, definitely. We'll see you soon. Yes, see you soon. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you.